Hello and welcome back to our UEA Wellbeing podcast. My name is Rach, one of the wellbeing trainers here at UEA. And today I've got two guests with me. We've got Elsa and Yin. How are you guys? How are you both doing? Hi. Hi. <laughs> um, could, could you just briefly introduce yourselves? Elsa will come to you first. Okay, so I'm Elsa. I'm a Lebanese student studying at UEA and I'm currently pursuing a postgraduate program in organisational psychology and I'm happy to be here. Oh, amazing. Yeah, we're happy to have you <laughs> and I imagine you're very busy at the moment, so we appreciate your precious time as well. Yeah, and uh, yeah, Yin, how about you? Yeah, hi there. Um, I'm Yin. I work with student services. I'm one of the wellbeing advisors for Mental Health. Amazing, thank you. And I know you are very busy too, so I um, appreciate both your time. So this month's theme is all about managing emotions. We will be exploring what emotions are and some guidance around some healthier ways to manage those emotions too. But before we get into that, we do like to start all our podcast episodes with our It's the Little Things section. So this is where we ask you to share just a nice little win from your week as it's often those small things that can make the big difference. So uh, we'll come to you first, Jean. What's your little win? Yeah, I was thinking about this. Like I said, January can be a tough time. I really struggle with the dark nights. So I'm really appreciating the lighter evenings. Um, I've noticed when I've been taking my dogs out um, that I'm hearing a bird song. And I feel like we've not really had that recently. So that sort of makes me feel a lot better. Definitely something that I've appreciated this week. Amazing. Love that. And how about you, Elsa? Um, I would say my little thing this week would be to come back to campus. Uh, I think that all the students might relate to this. Coming back after a month of living at your parents' house with zero cores and zero responsibilities and then getting started again with your routine here and everything. It's, it hasn't been easy, actually. Yeah, yeah, it can, a bit of adjustment, isn't it, after yeah. after having that break? <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. So thinking around managing emotions, and we are going to um, have some discussions around this theme, I think when we're looking at it, I think it's just important to first acknowledge that this will look so different person to person, um, just in terms of who we are and our life experiences. So this discussion today is very much a broad stroke. We're going to be looking at it quite generally. So some bits will be more or less applicable for different people. Um, but I think it is a super helpful conversation to be having all the same. So we're going to jump right in. Um, Yin, what are emotions? First, I just want to say this is a really big question because um, we can talk about emotions versus feelings. Trying to keep it quite simple, what sort of makes sense to me, if that's okay, um, mm -hmm. is that I see them as like internal states and they can change. So it can react to um, sort of pleasant, unpleasant stimulus that might be our environment, it might be what's going on with our relationships. Um, a really nice way that I like to see it is the word emotion is energy in motion. But actually, there's, it, they generate energy. Um, so with energy, that's movement, isn't it? So I like to think of them as they need to move. We need to process them. They can't get stuck. And, and emotions can change as well. So it's important to note that when we're feeling like things are a bit like, oh, no, I'm going to be stuck feeling like this forever. So they can feel pleasant or unpleasant. And, you know, we might choose to fight them or embrace them. And um, we can also use them as messengers, you know, uh, mess messages, you know, sort of ways. Of, well, what do I do with this? So I don't think that's helpful at all, but it's probably not a very scientific sort of response there. But I just see them as a, as energy motion and that, you know, maybe we can respond to them and what do we do with them? 
Yeah, I really like that. I I hadn't heard of that before, that idea of energy and motion. I think that really nicely illustrates that kind of sort of fluid nature mm. of our motion. So yeah. so I think that's a nice I think that's a nice description. I know starting with quite a, quite a big question there, really. And and you've kind of started to allude to this a little bit, but it leads me on really nicely to the next question, um, which I'll give to you, Elsa, thinking around like why do we feel that emotional pain and how can it benefit us? Yeah, so like Kim just said, if we talk about emotions as being fluid, so usually emotional pain comes from psychological or social factors like maybe loss, rejection, failure, or even trauma. Um, and it's very interesting, I think, that uh, neuroscience has found that parts of the brain that process um psychological pain are very very similar to those that process physical pain so um, that means that for example when you get your heart broken you literally feel physiological pain and i think that's um interesting because it really validates feeling emotional pain i think um and as to talking um let's talk about why we feel like we as humans feel emotional pain what's the purpose of it evolutionary speaking i love this analogy so if you separate a puppy from its mom for example uh, the puppy will cry and will um, uh, shout to his mom for his mom to come back so the mom when the mom hears that the puppy is crying uh, she will come back to the puppy you know so thinking about it that way it's like pain is kind of the glue that holds us together it's a survival mechanism and um, if you think about it if you don't feel pain when you're away from your loved ones you won't come back to see them so now I am living abroad I'm studying abroad and I went back home for Christmas if I didn't feel this emotional pain I wouldn't come back home to see my parents and my friends so I really like this analogy of looking at emotional pain that way yeah thank you like it's got that real sort of uh evolutionary function I suppose would that be yeah. a, a way of putting it yeah absolutely so in terms of I guess benefits is that survive need to survive would you say there were any other benefits around emotional pain okay so uh there's also this link between um emotion and memory so if you have a memory that's deeply emotional you can remember it more um and more details and if you think about it if you think about your more your most painful memories you can remember all the details of how you felt you can even feel the way you felt that day or in that situation so that's also a very important function of it and i would also add um being human like the humanness of it because i feel that when some people try to numb themselves from feeling pain they also numb themselves from any positive emotion, you know. So your your capability of feeling pain today is your capability of feeling love or happiness tomorrow. So I think that's also very important. Yeah, thank you. I think that was a big learning curve for me a few years ago, that idea that you need both. So if you want joy, you also need to have pain. I think it's quite a, it's kind of yeah. be a hard lesson, but I think also once you accept that, um, it can make it more, it can make it easier to accept those difficult emotions. But that being said, it, it is really difficult to accept those painful emotions. Yes. And and that is often, you know, why we 
turn to more unhealthy ways of coping at times. So, so Yin, what are some of those unhealthy ways of coping? Uh, and well, I've started to allude to this, but kind of why do we turn to those? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, my sort of general sense of sort of un unhealthy ways of coping is often about avoidance and escaping. Um, so that means, like we were saying, it's really difficult getting painful emotions. So we want to maybe avoid them. So we might turn to distraction, which can I just note is not always a bad thing, but it's about how much you do it. So um, when we're talking about unhealthy strategies, we're talking about things like um, maybe sleeping too much, maybe uh, taking substances, maybe um, relying on food to sort of deal with our emotions. It might be things like gaming, gambling. So lots and lots of things that can help us to sort of almost like not think about and not experience that emotional pain. And also even just physical withdrawal as well. So not, you know, not just talking about like a behaviour, we're talking about like not talking to people, staying in our rooms, not going out, um, not going to classes. That could be ways that we're just trying to protect ourselves because that's what it's about. It's about protection, isn't it, from difficult um, emotions. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's the kind of, you sort of, spoke about this a little bit but it's that intent behind the action isn't it because actually we wouldn't say that all distraction is bad no. but if we're ignoring how we feel and always turning to distraction and using it as that real kind of escapism and sort of denial that's when it yeah. potentially becomes unhealthier right yeah so if I can give an example if you're really upset and you feel like crying but you keep stopping yourself crying, so you go off and I don't know like gain instead of time and actually you're sort of stopping yourself from going through quite an important physiological sorry, um, process which helps us to um, feel, you know, relief. And so it's important that, you know, we, we use emotions. If we feel like crying, we're feeling upset, it's okay to cry. But if we're just constantly stopping that, then, then we might find a problem later on and that you actually, that could then lead to more longer term learning, for example. Yeah, absolutely. The analogy I once got told was it's like when you have that inflatable ball in the pool and when we're trying to suppress our emotions, it's like when you push the pool under uh, the ball under the water in the pool mm -hmm. and it's and you create such a lot of tension. And at some point it's got to pop up. And it's yeah. if, if we're not dealing with it in the moment, we don't know when that's going to happen. Right. And exactly. what that long term impact might be. I think also um, considering another um you know, perspective on this of why we you know, why we sort of try these un unhealthy strategies is just thinking about what we've been taught, what have we learned. So if we're thinking about, you know, have your parents or your caregivers sort of given you permission and said it's okay to be upset, they said no, don't feel like that, just keep going. In which case, we then want to we learn to avoid. Or um, alternatively, our peers don't, you know, appreciate it as well. And again, they shy away from if we're upset. We might then we learn that it's okay. Well, it's not okay, but it's it's what we do. We push things away. We, we do other things rather than experience the emotional. Yeah, I think that's really important to hear because we can be very judgmental on ourselves, can't we, when we turn to unhelpful coping. But actually, there's lots of reasons for that. And if it's a learned behaviour, it can take time to to learn those new habits. Yeah, exactly. And I guess and I guess thinking about forming those maybe new healthier habits. Um, Elsa, what maybe are some healthier alternatives of how we can manage those challenging emotions and, and, and any tips for anyone listening as well? Um, 
to answer this, there's this interview that Martha Beck uh, had once. I don't know if you've seen it. Uh, she looks at emotional pain in a very interesting way. She says there's uh, two types of pain. So there's clean pain and dirty pain. So clean pain arises from the event itself. So let's say I come and I slap you. You're going to feel pain from the event itself. And then dirty pain is the pain that arises not from the event itself, but rather your thoughts that happen after the event. So if we take the example, if I slap you, um, some thoughts that you might think about is um, she slapped me because I'm bad or I'm going to get slapped again or generalizations like all women slap. So these thoughts that the person thinks after the event happens will also create further suffering, you know? So the two processes that she suggests here are um, first the grieving process. So here the cure to the pain is in the pain. Like we were talking that you, you will have to go through the pain to get over it. So whether it's losing someone, a breakup, um, losing a friend or a family member, so this part consists of letting yourself grieve the what could have been and the expectations you had, for example, for getting this dream job of yours that you got rejected from. OK, so because, you know, some people say that time heals, but I believe that it does heal, like time does heal, but not on its own. So because sometimes someone we know or even ourselves, we go through something and we feel that they're not getting better. So, of course, like we said, it's normal not to be fine for a while, but sometimes it's like the person gets stuck and we feel like they're not getting any better. And the reason for this is that they're not allowing themselves to feel the pain. So sometimes it's because they don't want to move on just yet, or even sometimes it's because they're scared to feel their emotions. So that gets them stuck and uh, they can't move forward in their healing process. Um, and I think this sometimes happens because we're kind of in a victim mentality. So if we take again the example of me slapping you, sorry for that example, but <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, so if I slap you, for example, you're the victim. But it's also important to remember that uh, even though we we might have nothing to do with the reason that why something happened or it's totally unfair and sometimes we don't deserve it, but healing is still our responsibility. So that's very important to remember, I think. So we can rely, of course, on friends or family for support. But at the end, no one's going to do that for me. So no one will feel my feelings for me and no one can save me if I don't want to save myself. So this whole healing process, accepting your feelings and emotions, like we were just saying, is a very important part. And then the second part would be disbelieving. So uh, if you want to be to deal with dirty pain, we have to disbelieve the thoughts that come after the situation that's happening. So let's take relationships, for example. Um, uh, I broke up with my boyfriend or he cheated on me, let's say. So I have first to grieve the loss of the relationship and everything, but then I have to disbelieve the thoughts that are causing me even more pain. So for example, um, I don't know, stuff like he was the one and I lost him, what's wrong with me, or like uh, generalize that all men cheat or men cannot be trusted. So even though these thoughts are not true, we start to actually believe that they are. So we have to learn to dissolve those feelings to free ourselves from 
uh, the pain, and that happens through cognitive restructuring. So that's where uh, therapy gets in handy because you get an objective and professional view on uh, what are the misleading beliefs that you are having, the patterns that you're stuck in, because all of us get stuck in patterns that we sometimes have um, since our childhood, for example. So here, for example, and uh, talking about cheating, let's say, you will learn that being rejected is a part of growth, even if it's re being rejected from a job, a dream job, a university. So you will learn that it has nothing to do with you personally, you not being enough or doing something wrong. You're just not compatible with the person maybe or uh, with whatever you think is your uh, dream job maybe is not that good for you actually. So you will learn to look at it from a different perspective. And that way it will decrease that pain that comes from these um, negative thoughts, if you want. Yeah, thank you. It's really interesting perspective, and of course, lots of different theories around um, what people can do. And it sounds like definitely from what both of you have been saying so far, a big part is that kind of acceptance and allowing feelings to be there. So I'm interested, what can people do? when they're just feeling too overwhelmed. So Yin, like if someone is like, I'm trying to kind of accept these feelings, I'm trying to make space mm -hmm. for them, but I'm feeling too overwhelmed by them in the moment, which is very common um, to happen. What yeah. is there maybe any quick sort of tips or techniques that someone can do to kind of help manage that in the moment? Absolutely. And um, so I know that we said distraction can be unhelpful, but like I said, it's about um, the intention. So if we're feeling overwhelmed, it could be something like changing our environment. So like you put in our bedroom and we're feeling overwhelmed, maybe we need to get outside. There's actually scientific, scientific um, evidence that it's important. That health, you know, nature is really important. So if we change our um, environment, that could help change our perspective. Breathing is also really important as well. When we're feeling overwhelmed, we may be struggling to um, sort of take sort of regular breaths. So taking that time to um, inhale, but also really importantly, exhale as well. So that actually activates our parasympathetic nervous system. So it helps tell us it's okay, we can calm down. Um, so this breathing is really important, changing our environment, movement as well. We're feeling very um, overwhelmed. Our bodies might be having all this extra like energy, adrenaline, cortisol. So we need to learn to release that. So that might be, doesn't mean you need to go for a run. You might just want to go for a gentle walk or move your body stretch. There's little things there that we can do. Um, again, like you said earlier, Rachel, it all takes practice. Um, and unfortunately, you know, like I think like Elsa said, we can get stuck in quite negative patterns. So it's about really thinking about what is going to help us and trying these out when we're feeling okay, so that we are much more likely to reach for them when we're not feeling okay. And so, yeah, those are the main things I would probably recommend. I'm sure there's lots of others, but just as a starting point, I'm going to simple. Yeah, I think it's there's some really nice tips in there. And I think especially uh, thinking around that practicing when you don't need it. I think that's such a big one, isn't it? Because yeah, I've had conversations with people when they're like, I've tried to use this in the moment and it's made me feel worse. Yeah. And actually, if we're unfamiliar with a technique or a strategy and we're trying to use it when we're overwhelmed, it's almost like trying to kind of fight fire with fire, isn't it? Because actually mm. our brain's trying to process something new when we're feeling overwhelmed, which is going to potentially add to those feelings. But I think some really nice ideas there about what people can do. 
and obviously as we said when it is kind of potentially ingrained habits over a lifetime or if people are feeling particularly stuck um what are potentially some other resources around this yin or or where can people go to get a bit more support or maybe access some therapy like Elsa was talking about yeah absolutely kind of like what Elsa said she um Elsa was talking about therapy I think it's important to note that when we're feeling um, difficult emotions and we're struggling, um, we might then feel like we have to do this on our own. And actually, um, you know, there's a lot of evidence that shows that if we process emotions with others, like as said, they become unstuck. We can we can move them forward a bit quicker. Not that it's a race, but you know, you know, if we're feeling like this isn't this isn't changing. I'm really struggling with this. Really, really important to ask for help. Um, so there's there's lots of resources in terms of student services. So you know there's, there's your mum referral if if, um, if students want to get in touch, they can complete one of those and say what's going on. Um, we do have talking therapy. Um, it's called one at a time therapy at UVA. Um, so you can talk to our trained therapists. Um, we also yeah you know, if you don't want to do that, that's absolutely fine as well. There are lots of other things. There's wellbeing workshops um, with lots and lots of different. Um, Topics, so check those out. I'm sure uh, Rachel will include a link. And just a few starting points, things that you might want to look at yourself as well, because Els was talking about taking that responsibility for healing. Um, a really good starting point is five ways to well-being. Just like generally looking after yourself, that's important and helps us to regulate. So I always forget the fifth one. So someone help me out, but they're like connect, be active, um, be mindful, I think. Um giving to others and there's always another one which I can always forget so um, keep learning yeah. thank you okay <laughs> so just trying those out and, and also importantly like we were saying about preparing so preparing for dealing with difficult situations so having a coping box so um that's that can be really helpful so um putting together resources things that you enjoy doing people that you can reach out to um numbers that are important places that you go that help you feel a bit more um, grounded. So lots and lots of things there. Um, but if you're stuck knowing what to do um, and you're, you're struggling, please do get in touch with student services. Yeah. Um, if I can add something, I think that a key point here would be to be nice to yourself. Like I was talking with my flatmate about this the other day. Um, I feel that there are so many people who are so nice to other people, yet they're too harsh to themselves so I can give like a small advice would be to treat yourself like someone you love like if your parent or your um, sister your friend was in that position what would you tell them how would you treat them you would treat them very kindly you would encourage them be very supportive and patient with them you know so you should be that way with yourself be patient and like take care of yourself just like you would take care of your loved one is that situation. Yeah, that's really lovely. I think um, it's it's one of those concepts that's simple, but not as easy to do. And it's kind of a skill in itself, isn't it? It's like yeah. learning how to turn that compassion inwards. If we're already hurting and we're being hard on ourselves, that's only adding to that pain. So it yeah. can take time to kind of learn that actually we need to be kind to ourselves. As you said, it's a really nice message. Treat yourself like you would a loved one. And actually that is going to activate our soothe system then, isn't it? That's going to help us to feel calmer, hopefully, as well. So thank you. 
we of course have only really scratched the surface in all of this um as you said right at the start this is huge topic but hopefully um and certainly for me for listening to you both there's been lots of really nice ideas to kind of take away and think about this a little bit more um but we are going to move into our kind of final section and think around wise words to my younger self so this is thinking about you know say for both of you when you were starting out as students that first year is there something that you would like to say to yourself thinking around managing emotions that you think would have been a helpful thing to have heard yeah so um i would say to my younger self that it's okay to feel the way you feel sometimes because as a student i feel we have too much to manage like we have so much on our plates um and especially if it's uh, our during our first year, you know, uh, everything is new. We have to make new friends, go to socials, but at the same time, we have to get uh, straight A's and everything. So I think I would say to myself, that it's OK to feel overwhelmed sometimes. Um, and because I feel that usually the first thing that would come to my mind uh, whenever I am overwhelmed or I feel sad about something is to hide that I'm feeling that way, like I spent so much energy on it, but I feel that it's not worth it. So that would be my message. Lovely. Really like that. Thank you. And how about you, Yin? Um, probably something quite similar to what Elsa said, which is that being kind to yourself. So yeah, if you are feeling overwhelmed, there's probably a reason for it. So just maybe accepting, maybe just like it's really easy. Um, you know, saying it's okay to feel whatever I'm feeling and also that it's okay to ask for help. Because I think there's um there can be that mentality of, oh, you know, to deal with on my own you know must do this must do that and actually that can feel quite isolating so i remember sort of having difficulties in my first year and it was quite difficult asking for help or knowing what to do and and that it's okay to do that and um yeah as humans we need others to help us and that's fine it's what i probably say to myself as a young woman <laughs> thank you yeah really nice i think it's a nice way to kind of finish it off really kind of just saying it's okay to feel coming to the end Absolutely, of this so, yeah. so thank you both just <laughs> as we are finishing up please do check us out up on social media you can find us on instagram at ua student services where you can stay up to date with everything that's going on as well as some quick tips and guidance with your well-being and mental health and we have spoke about this a fair amount but just to really emphasize you do not need to manage alone there are people here to support you so if you follow the link in the description it'll give you more info about the support available and how you can access it so thank you elsa and yin thank you thank you for well, having us and join us for our next podcast episode coming up next month Thank you.